above every circumstance that you're facing. And in fact, if you are facing something very difficult, that is by design. It is not an accident. It is not the enemy trying to beat you up. You are being called to learn to rule and reign in Christ Jesus. Anyone want to receive that? It can look like the enemy in the same way that David stood in front of Goliath. He was the enemy, but he, it was a setup because David was to see through Goliath to the glory of God. I want you to see through the situation right now and believe that that Goliath is going to tumble, not because of um, anything other than God is wanting to be glorified in your life. And those horrendous, difficult things that you are facing are potential for him to show himself mighty on your behalf. Amen. That's not what I'm going to be speaking about, but that's what he wants to say to us this morning. 1 Peter 2.9, just read it. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, there are many things around us that work on us, bombard us, including the media. I think it all comes under the umbrella of the, of the way that the world does things the world system. We live in this world, but the Lord has said that he doesn't want us to be a part of the world or think the way that the world thinks. And when we do, there's something that happens to us right away, and that is that we begin to feel distant from God. Isn't that true? If we start getting worried about what we're hearing or seeing, or if we get afraid because of it, suddenly there's a distance. And the enemy gets us to turn on ourselves and turn on um, our relationship with God. And, and, and there's a coldness that sets in. And what is the solution for this? Well, let's turn to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to share with you this morning about being transformed. And um, Chris Vallotton gave us seven points that we can look at our lives to see whether or not we're actually being transformed. 
And it is so wonderful, it's so powerful. And so I'm taking his points, but some of the things that um, I'm going to, uh, to talk about are things that I feel the Lord is wanting to address this church body, us, okay? And so before I go into the seven points where we can look to see how we are being transformed, we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 6. And this says, in fact, just close your eyes, listen with your spirit man this morning. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. I'll just stop there. We fought with Thanksgiving this morning. When Laura led Thanksgiving, that's a weapon. That's one of the best weapons you will ever wield. Thanksgiving. So if you think you don't have weapons, just put that one on your belt right now. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to obliterate strongholds. Oh, demolish, it says. What does demolish means? means to demolish, destroy. We demolish arguments and every pretension. We're up against pretension, lies, deceit, illusions. And these things have set themselves up against the knowledge of God. But we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is a season where he is calling us to take captive of every thought. What does it mean to take captive? Holy Spirit, will you show us how to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ? Have you ever resolved not to sin and you did really good? You came out on the other side of a temptation and it was amazing because you felt the, the exhilaration. But then a little time later, all of a sudden you're faced with the same, temp same temptation, but your guard is down and you give in to it. Has that ever happened to anybody? It sure has happened to me. So I love the next verse here that says, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So we don't just pass one test. We take a stand with ourselves and we say, I'm going to be ready to watch this area. This is an area where I need God to fortify me. And so we honor that part of us that has been weakened and we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So I'm just going to say it. Don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. Stay dependent on the Holy Spirit. So here are the seven points. Rapid fire. Um, how do I know that my mind is being transformed? First one, you live in hope. Once upon a time, each and every one of us had a negative outlook on life. Even if you were born with a, with a, a fun-loving nature, there's a gravity. We gravitate towards negative things. 
We suffered from a sense of foreboding, like something bad is going to happen. And that becomes an expectation. And Pastor John says, we get what we have faith for. And so if you have a sense of foreboding and if you're feeding that fear, you will get what you have faith for. And so you know that you're being transformed when you have a confident expectation of good, a confident expectation of the goodness of God every single day. Let's say every single day. I expect him to show up every single day. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, I expect by the end of the day that I'll have more to be thankful for than not. But it's up to me to bring some pressure on that part of me that gravitates towards a sense of foreboding. And I need to learn how to rule and reign in this area. So not only do I live in hope, but I inspire hope. Let's take it to the next level. Who are you in relationship with that you're bringing hope to and inspiring? When you open your mouth, are you calling people to their best? Are you giving them a confident expectation of hope? Of, of God's goodness? Oh my goodness. We carry the king of glory. And when we are living in transformation, we offer hope to the hopeless. How good is that? We are carriers of hope because we are prisoners of hope. Thank you, Lord. Second point, the impossible seems reasonable. Have you ever had an impossible situation and you believe that God's going to do it? He's going to bring you past that thing? Everybody's hand should be up on this one. And why? Because we are in covenant relationship with our creator. He paid a high price for us to walk in fullness, in wholeness, and also to take out of heaven what belongs to earth. Isn't that built into Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, there are glorious things. They're not meant to stay there. We're to bring them to earth so that we can experience them. Holy Spirit, wipe all the cobwebs off of our brains. Renew us this morning as we remember that it's your design that we are to rule and reign with you in heavenly places. We are co-laboring with Christ. He didn't have to involve us, but it's his delight to involve us and to grow us into those places where we come out from under a victim mentality and we begin to know who we are in Christ. I'm just going to say that how you feel isn't who you are. Write that down.com. How you feel isn't who you are. Third point. 
you know that you're being transformed if you live in peace, not in pieces. Fear and worry should have absolutely no place of authority in your life. Are there things that we can worry about? Of course there are. But I have peace because of who I have faith in. Bottom line, if I am putting my faith in him, peace belongs to me. It belongs to you. Don't live without peace. I pursue peace, especially when it's eluding me. When I feel peace lifting off of me, I, I am mad. No, peace belongs to me. Psalm 34, 14 says, seek peace, pursue it. And there's times when I have to chase it down. It belongs to me and I am not living without peace. I've become quite accustomed to having the peace of God ruling my heart, nothing else. And it's time that we take captive anything that would steal our peace. And if that means you have to repent of something, then do it. Repentance means transformation. I'm not relying on myself. I'm relying on the spirit of the living God on the inside of me who will empower me to take captive. Of course, I'm going to fall flat if I'm just using my own resolve. But he wants us to rule and reign with his power on the inside of us, his mind flowing through us. I have a covenant of peace with Jesus. The gospel of peace, that belongs to me. His blood covers me. That brings me peace. I am legally forgiven. That, that brings me peace. I am being cleansed by his beautiful words of life. That brings peace. In a very rocky, tumultuous world, I live in peace. My mind is literally changed, even physically. Uh, Chris Vallotton talked about uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, Who Switched Off My Brain? I think that's the name of it. I lent it out and I can't find it anymore. So uh, I wanted to look this up, but I, because I don't have the book, I'll have to do it another day. But he talked about neural pathways. And basically, um, if you were to take a hot marble and drop it into cheese, it would burn right through the cheese, right? Well... In the same way, um, when the more that you and I think about things, that pathway widens. So if you're thinking negative thoughts, you start to dwell on them, these neural pathways get bigger, and it's a physiological reality. If you think about something that is destructive, it gets bigger. So we need to be careful what we think about, read about, let influence us, and keep bringing it back to that place of what I dwell on is my choice. And I need to choose on what is lovely and of good report and of, that brings hope because not only am I going to be affected by what I think about, but everyone in my sphere of influence is going to actually start dwelling on the same things. Because that's what we're designed with. We are influencers. 
Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We are literally new creatures. You could almost say we're not humans anymore. You know, you've heard that expression, well, I'm only human. Well, no, you're not. You have God's breath in you. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you live above the situation. Old things have passed away. That's why we get baptized. We acknowledge that the old man is dead. It no longer drives us around the bend. It is a dead thing. But we have to reckon it dead. We have to apply it and say, no, I'm not a slave to that. And you seize your peace. You take captive those thoughts. You take captive of those things that try to tell you who you are because that's what the enemy's after. He wants you to think that you're a miserable human being who lives under everything. And we're not. But you can choose whatever you want. But the Lord is is saying to us, choose what I think about you. Choose me. Everybody just say this. I have the mind of Christ. Now, if you said that and you don't know what that means, I urge you, find out. Ask God, who are you? I want the mind of Christ living in me. And all of us need to be saying, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, Lord? Let me in on what you're thinking. Okay, the fourth um, area of transformation, you'll know that you're being transformed if you like yourself. How many like yourself? Well, not every hand went up. And you're saying, well, I don't enjoy some of the weak areas of my life. But, 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 but that's why God wants us. We can rejoice in our weakness. This is his whole intention. Is he picked us because we got weaknesses. Because the more that we trust him and depend on him, the more he will be glorified in our lives. I remember uh, saying to him, um, starting this journey, I said, Lord, I'm, I don't have what it takes. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough emotionally. Uh, I fight with depression. Um, I, I don't have the same uh, educational background. I'm not good enough for this. And he's like, but Elsie, it's in your greatest weakness that I'm going to be glorified the most. And you've got so much weakness, I'm going to be very glorified in your life if you let me be. Well, let me tell you, I hate public speaking. I could not see myself in that. In fact, I still have a hard time looking or listening to the sound of my voice. I need to like myself more. But, but there's, I'm a, I've got the cringe element. But you know what? 
God sees my weakness, and when I surrender my weakness to him, he comes and he fills it. And I know it's him, because I don't have what it takes apart from him. But there's a zeal in my heart, because I've experienced his love for you. And that's the joy. That's why I can rejoice in my weaknesses, because there's, he comes full throttle. He lets me know it's him when I don't have what it takes. And this is how we rule and reign. We rule and reign by surrendering our gifts and our weaknesses to him. And let me suggest to you that your greatest weakness will be your strength. If you're going to miss it, you'll miss it in your area of strength unless you surrender it. Surrender your strengths too. And acknowledge that apart from him, John 15, you can do nothing, nothing of eternal value that will last. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, I like myself even with all my imperfections. Let's just say that. I like myself even with all my imperfections. I am completely loved and accepted by my heavenly daddy. He knows the real me and he likes me. I want you to step into that warm bath this morning. He likes us. He delights in us. He's been saying that all morning. I delight, I delight, I delight, I delight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on Tamara. I had, a, I had a dream about you the other night. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I like Tamara. Mm. Oh my goodness. He was talking to me, not her. You know what that does? When he, he can talk to other people about you. Not in a bad way. In a good way. He's got... Control over your reputation. So what are you feeding? If you're thinking, well, people are going to be saying blah, blah, blah about me. Well, guess what? The enemy has legal rights to your life, and they just might be doing that. Well, stop. Get out from under that victimization and depend on the Lord to get your back. He is, he is so in love with us. We're nummy to him. I know that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Number five, you know that you're being transformed if you're quick to forgive and give people grace and mercy. Holding grudges, taking offense, living in self-protection, withdrawing, living in unforgiveness, rehearsing injustice silently or publicly, being resentful, being bitter, being critical, being judgmental, all of these things, all of these tendencies actually reveal the need to forgive. At the root of it, there is an invitation from the Lord himself for you to be quick to forgive. And I just say this to us as a wonderful congregation who he loves desperately, and he wants you to know it, 
And these are the things that will block and hinder. And he's saying, forgive quickly, forgive often. He told me to say that to you. Forgive quickly, forgive often. Forgive quickly, forgive often. Painful memories can be buried in your subconscious. If you are aware of emotional pain in your life, deal with it. Don't let it stay there. Get it out. Get it exposed. And release forgiveness. The Holy Spirit is so good at this. He's got a two-edged sword. It's called his word and, and his heartbeat. And he will answer that prayer. He will bring healing to you. He'll heal your mind. He'll heal, heal your emotions. So don't let the pain of any bad encounter linger. Don't let yourself be victimized. You know, there's a certain false comfort that comes from being victimized. It's like, oh, poor me. I love this. I'm sorry. That's just the way human natures are. We agree with the accuser. We want to just stretch it out a little bit. I'm going to rehearse that painful experience over and over again until I've gotten myself all mucky. We got to get out from under that, know who we are, stand up on the inside and say, I am going to quickly forgive and get rid of that. That's like taking this bottle of puke and spraying it on yourself, thinking it's cologne. Yuck. Where'd that come from? We need to take captive every thought because the accuser of the brethren can only suggest things. Whether we receive it or not is another thing. And we all get tested in this area. So we need to take captive of those thoughts and the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. You know that you're being transformed when you are confident and thankful in your appreciation of those around you. I love this one. I love this because if you don't have confidence, try this. Start being thankful. And watch how people start warming up to you. People will warm up to you if you are a thankful person. Because you know what? They're going to start trusting the things that you say. They're going to start trusting your judgment. Because thankfulness is a form of humility. It means I... I, I'm secure in who I am, and I'm going to come underneath you, and I'm going to be thankful around you. You're not trying to present somebody that you're not. So I can, I can trust people who have a thankful spirit. I gravitate towards them. Listen, grumbling and complaining is contagious. Have you ever noticed that if somebody starts grumbling about their life pretty soon, you can think of something? to grumble along with them and misery likes company? Yeah, it's contagious. But thankfulness is way better. And if you are thankful, you will find people gravitating and starting to be thankful as well. It's like you can hardly get a word in edgewise because thankfulness is huge. And it attracts God. Thankfulness attracts God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Well, he's like... "Uh, um, uh, be quiet over here. I, some, I hear somebody being thankful over there. Let me just listen in for a while. He loves thankfulness. And it beautifies us. 
I feel the Lord really wants us to honor each other and bless each other and express your thanksgiving to one another. You know, people are so weary sometimes. And if you come up to them and say, you know, I want to thank you for, for this and that and the other thing. And you don't have to make it up. Just ask Holy Spirit, what can I say that will refresh and build up? And he is so faithful to give us things that aren't made up. Holy Spirit, renew our minds. I have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. We just said that. So we can draw from his thoughts about one another and have a feast. Point number seven, I believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt. Have you ever had someone who got your back? Who believed in you even when you weren't measuring up? I've had somebody do that for me. And you can do that for others because it's called the grace of God. It's believing in somebody. My greatest example is Jesus. How the heck did he ever find me in the first place? And why did he want me? But now he's got me. And we can be that for other people. Because I'm going to trust the spirit of the living God in you to call you into position. But you need me to believe in you. Instead of being afraid that your bad choices are, are going to alienate you. You know, you get what you have faith for. If I believe and I'm afraid somebody's going to fall, I'm not helping by being afraid for them. I need to get into that place of intercession and declare over them who they are. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Holy Spirit, come. Darn timetable up there. Time is gone. We need to renew our minds, and there's no shortcut. We need to say no to the flesh and yes to the resurrection power of Christ. And we think of the flesh as, we typically think of it as abstaining from, you know, sexual immorality and, um, and other kinds of indulgences. And we, we, we just think that that's saying no to the flesh. But let me suggest that saying no to the flesh is all about learning to think differently. The flesh thinks and dwells on the self-life. And it wants what it wants when it wants it. And when we say no, we are taking authority over a, something that matters. It takes about 30 days to, to have a new a pathway, a neural pathway in your brain. And we actually get to work at it. Isn't that a joy? But you're going to have to, to, to be a disciple of Jesus to find the joy in that. Give yourself a month to work at it. I'm not going to share my testimony right now, but I got healed from depression when the Lord said, this was before I read any books on it. 
He said, for 30 days, I want you to believe that I'm sending my word and healing you. And I had a lifetime of battling depression. And I was, my physical body changed. My chemicals changed, literally. I no longer have chemical depression. It's obliterated, it's demolished. Yes. And if you're fighting from, if you're fighting depression, it is not who you are. It is not. And, and you get to choose. You get to choose life. Because it has to do with allowing God to build in you those neural pathways. And what you think about will get larger and larger and larger. If it's him, come on. Joshua uh, 1, um, verses 2 to 9 uh, Joshua is just a crazy passage. Moses has passed away, and God says to Joshua, I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Those are wonderful, wonderful promises, and I take them as well. But then he goes on. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. And second time, verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey my words. Uh, don't turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. It goes from all these promises to saying you're going to have to address some, some some character here, and you're going to need my instruction, and you stick with me, baby, and we're going to get this done. And, and he goes on, he says, um, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This is the posture of heart he's asking us to choose. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you for wherever you go. I think Joshua had an issue with fear. I think he had an issue with confidence. I think that it was intimidating for him to think of him leading anything. This is the guy that just wanted to hang out in God's presence at his altar all day. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily relish leading I would, I would just like to spend my time in, in worship and praise and, and, and here God is saying, no, I'm calling you forward to lead. I'm calling you forward to influence. He's saying that to us and he's calling us out. He's calling us into position and he's saying, you get to choose to be courageous. You get to choose to love you get to choose to break off what the enemy says of you. You get to choose not to believe those things. Okay, lastly, meditation. The Hebrew meaning of meditation. Remember he told Joshua, meditate on my law day and night. Okay, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. So, meditate means in Hebrew to growl, to grab and make a sound. Isn't that perfect? Arr, arr, word of God. Arr. 
to growl. I like even that word, automatopoeia, growl. Excuse me. <laughs> so the biblical medita meditation, I was going to say medication, which it is, it's not passive. It is not passive, folks. It growls, it grabs us, and it changes our minds. It is aggressive change. Being transformed takes aggression. You are not how you feel. Your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, it makes a lousy master. Anybody agree? I don't like being pushed around by my emotions. But God has called us to live by the Spirit. You can, you can, in fact, I'll give you this homework. Read Romans 8. Start by renewing your mind for 30 days by reading Romans 8 every day. Oh my goodness. It will change you. You know what the lust of the flesh is? Giving in to fear, anxiety, worry, negativity because those things will lead you to self-indulgence or to false comforts that's that's the doorway so we need to get a grip get a grip of his word seize it growl how i feel isn't who i am Having a renewed mind brings us peace. And peace belongs to us. So it is not a vacation. It's not a way of life. He has called us to live in peace. And when I know myself from God's perspective, then I am at peace. We need this. We need to be listening to him and having him tell us who we are. Not circumstances, not people, not our feelings, not even our thoughts about ourselves. Do we believe what we believe? That's what the Lord's been saying to me. Do you be really believe what you believe? What's he actually saying? He's saying what you're dwelling on in your mind needs to make its way down into your heart. And you need to think my thoughts about you. And you will move into position you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your homework for 30 days, meditate, growl over your devotions. Don't stop till you hear that growl and feel the joy and delight. And for those of you who are being transformed, we cheer you on. Every one of us is being transformed somewhere. But there are people places in us that aren't yet. Yes? And we need to pull out all the stops and give ourselves to the transformation process. I can enjoy the presence of God all I want, but if I'm not experiencing him, and if I'm not being transformed, then maybe I've got a different gospel. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So please come on up. Uh, if you would like us to stand in agreement with you, our uh, team can be here to pray with you. So um, 
Have a fantastic week. We'll see you all on Wednesday, right here.